May only truth be spoken and only truth received. Amen. Open a newspaper, turn on the news, follow a link someone has sent you on Facebook about the current state of things in Syria or Ferguson, Missouri, and you know that things are not the way they're supposed to be. It's not just in those distant places either. We hear the story of the rape and beating of 16-year-old Rennell Harper. Before that, it was the discovery of the body of 15-year-old Tina Fontaine in the river. And we all know that something has gone badly wrong. And we wonder how those kinds of some things could possibly be set right. Deep within us, there's a longing for some kind of justice in this world in which we live. In the words of N.T. Wright, one of the most profound longings of the human race. Central to the Jewish and Christian traditions, Bishop Wright continues, is the belief that this passionate longing for justice comes from the Creator God himself. And so hear the words of the prophet Ezekiel as he envisions God as the shepherd who will search for my sheep and will seek them out. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the injured and I will strengthen the weak. Now there's the kind of shepherd, the kind of king we can long for. One who picks up the little lambs with names like Tina and Renel and Malala and says, I will keep you safe. Ezekiel doesn't stop, though, at the image of the protecting shepherd. He has a justice-making shepherd as well. The fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with my justice. I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you pushed with flank and shoulder and butted all the weak animals with your horns until you scattered them far and wide, I will save my flock and they shall no longer be ravaged. Justice will be done. Of course, we all imagine that we know just who the fat sheep are. We're pretty sure that we can identify the ones who push with flank and shoulder, those who've butted all the weak animals with their horns. We don't at all mind the idea that God will take down those fat sheep, take them down hard, and that somehow in the end justice will be done. We really can see it all with such clarity, especially when we're viewing it at arm's length or on a laptop or a smartphone, right before we move on to post the latest selfie and pass along the link to that really funny YouTube video, we can see with such clarity who the fat sheep are, who the makers of injustice are. As Bruce Coburn sings in his song, Justice, everybody loves to see justice done on somebody else. Which is why this passage from the Gospel according to Matthew is so important and so unsettling. It begins with Jesus saying, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, when he will sit on the throne of his glory, 
All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. And to those sheep, identified a little further in this text as the righteous, to those sheep, to those righteous ones, he will say, Come, come, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me in. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Really? We did that? That's the response of the sheep at his right hand. When? When did we do that? Truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, the members of my family, you did it to me. Now, the timid preacher could short-circuit the text right there, perhaps jumping into a little bit of a discourse, a bit of a rallying cry on why we should all remember to bring donations to put in the baskets for Agape Table. Maybe we could consider forming a parish hospital visiting team so that if somebody's in the hospital or somebody's shut in or somebody ends up in a nursing home, well, we could take care of them. The preacher, the timid preacher, could say, donate all that used winter gear that you're not going to make use of this winter. Make sure it goes to the Salvation Army. Maybe you could even support the work of the local prison ministry team. Uh, If you're really brave, you could go be a prison visitor, but at least you could support them. You're bringing that box of mandarin oranges for Jesus. And though old Mr. Jones is getting rather grumpy in the nursing home, when you go to see him, you're really going to see the Lord. Now, none of those things in their own right is bad. Mr. Jones in the nursing home, grumpy as he is, really does need a visit. And those boxes of oranges that land in those baskets at the back and make their way to Agape Table and are shared by a community that almost never gets fresh fruit, and the children in that community particularly, those are all good things. But compared to how Jesus is about to up the ante, that's a bit thin. So not being a timid preacher, Jesus continues his story by having that figure, the king, turn now to address the goats at his left side. And he says to them, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is not, there's no mincing words here as he's addressing those poor old goats. For I was hungry. You gave me no food. Thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. A stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, you gave me no clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. But Lord, they say, when did we fail you in that way? Truly I tell you, he answers them. Just as you did not do it for the least of these, you did not do it for me. Well, Lord, couldn't you have at least told us that's what you wanted? Then we would have risen to that challenge. Like, We didn't know. Now we know. Give us another chance. For centuries, biblical commentators have wrestled with questions about this text. Who are the sheep and who are the goats? Who exactly are the nations 
who are gathered before this Son of Man, before this King. And what does Jesus mean when he talks about the least of these who are members of my family, translated by others as the least significant of my brothers and sisters, or by Eugene Peterson as someone overlooked or ignored? Who are they? And so the biblical commentators have wrestled back and forth, trying to sort out what is Jesus calling us to? The one thing, though, that is not disputed is the fact that in this story, both the sheep and the goats are utterly surprised at the very idea that when you do these acts of compassion, they are being done for Christ himself, and that if you neglect to do such things, you are neglecting Christ himself. The sheep and the goats are equally surprised by that revelation. As presented by Matthew, this teaching is spoken privately to the disciples who are then entrusted with the responsibility to retell it to those who would follow. In this sense, because they retell it, it's fair to say that Jesus does not want anyone to be surprised that the mandate to offer food and drink and hospitality and compassion is so very crucial to the life of the Christian disciple, a non-negotiable, in fact. That's humbling, and it's daunting, because we've heard it now, and anyone who's honestly prepared to look at themselves has to admit the goatiness of our own lives. It resides there in all of us. On those days when I'm being most honest about my own self, it's hard not to see the degree to which I am as at, at least as much goat as I am sheep. That I am at least as inclined to want to pass by on the other side as I am to stop, to lend the compassionate hand. We're all busy. We're all in a rush. It's hard to know how to help. How do you reach out? When do you respond? All of those things, right? And they roll around in us all the time. Anyone, especially those of us who live in the city, you face it every day. It's easier just to keep moving often. So, yeah, we stand indicted, in a sense, by this teaching, if we're honest, because we know the goat self. Then again, as a colleague of mine once observed, and it's something that I wrote about in the Advent book a couple of years ago, Christians dare then to say that there is finally only one lamb, and the goats got him. Yet in dying exhalations, that one lamb forgave all of the goats. And so I, I trust that. I trust that profoundly not as a way of getting me off the hook for passing by on the other side, but rather as a part of my ongoing and regular confession of my sins and my fears and my indifference and my blindness, because I don't always see. So we need to, to hear this story in that light as a call and a claim placed on us that should shake us and wake us up and help us attend to the things that we need to be honest about and work on and confess. Yet we should also hear this teaching as an unveiling an extraordinary invitation, both to us as individuals, but also to us as 
church, as members of this one body. As articulated by the theologian Dirk Lang, rather than considering themselves holders or keepers of the mystery of God in liturgy, in works, and in piety, the believing community in this story, the believing community discovers that God is already outside the circle they draw and the boundaries they create. What Dirk is saying is, if we listen to this story outside of the circle we draw and the boundaries we create outside of these walls and our definition of us as the body of Christ, already God is there. Mission itself becomes redefined when we consider the move outwards beyond the boundaries, beyond the walls, beyond our comfort zone, the move outwards as a move toward God. The community is sent out from the Lord's Supper as body of Christ, only to discover that the body of Christ is already waiting for the community in those suffering in the world. It's an extraordinary insight. The community is sent out. We do it formally every Sunday, right? Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Go forth in the power of the Spirit. Go, move. And people do go and move and into the rest of life, into the coming week, not because we've been recharged by, you know, meeting God in this place, but so that we can dare to meet God out there in those who are hungry and thirsty and lonely and broken. When you leave this place tonight and throughout this coming week, let this story Jesus tells, this challenging, unsettling, but incredibly, incredibly important story, let it just echo through your imagination all week. And keep your heads up and your eyes open because he's waiting. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.